Welcome to the Religion and Story podcast. This is episode one of season, what are we on guys? Five? Five. Five. Episode one of season five. And we want to start off our first episode of season five by thanking the Christian Chronicle for giving us a shout out in their uh, latest list of podcasts to listen to. Yes, uh, Stephen's got his copy right there. So, uh, thank you to them. We're very appreciative of uh, being recognized in that way. So to start us off in season five, we are going to talk about how Christians view technology. And this is going to be a two-part episode. This episode, we're going to talk about how Christians view technology today, our current concerns. And then the second episode will be about how Christians will think about technology in the future. So, there is plenty to talk about. So, Daniel, why don't you get us started on this idea of Christians and technology today? Yeah, so I'm going to start us off with some of the big ideas of technology. And a lot of this will bleed into next week's podcast of uh, technology tomorrow and in the future. Um, but a lot of it is happening right now. Um, so technology is obviously uh, is manifest in an industry. And in that way, affects a lot of the things that we hold most dearly, our, our work, our jobs, the way that we provide for our families. Um, a lot of people think of automation and artificial intelligence. These uh, Automation, obviously, has been uh, growing for a long time. Artificial intelligence is a much more recent advancement in technology. But both of these things, uh, especially combined, are um, eliminating jobs. Uh, some maybe seem slowly, but there's certainly the potential for it to, to be even quicker and to eliminate jobs even faster. Michael um, has a, a lot more knowledge on the, the economics of automation. He can talk about that more later. But uh, that's uh, one of the big ways that people are thinking about technology today and are worried about it as it is um, pushing the working class Americans and people around the world um, seemingly to the margins as we make way for efficiency through machines and through computers. Stephen, uh, we were talking before about some of the, the more intimate ways that technology influences our life today and our families. Share some of those thoughts with us. Yes, yeah, so, so specifically for the family, uh, your immediate family, if you are a parent of children, you are going to have to make very difficult decisions about what the rules are going to be for uh, time with devices and what kind of technology you are going to allow into your house, what rules you're going to set up, uh, because we're, we've already gone through a first wave of generation, but just because it's been around for a little while doesn't mean you have all um, you may not have had those same types of technology when you were a kid. So a lot of the technology that you might be dealing with with your family is new. So uh, ground rules need to be set. Um, we will mention uh, the book by Andy Crouch called The TechWise Family. He's a mm -hmm. no relation, other, no relation. Than, uh, other than a descendant of Noah like the rest of us. Uh, I'm sure we have a Crouch connection somewhere down the line. Somebody had to start with that name. Anyway, but we don't know the guy. Just know of his book. Um, and it, I will share a few of what uh, he calls the tech-wise commitments. 
at least that's what we called them. Uh, there was a, a class where I go to church where we went over this and we call these the tech, 10 tech-wise commitments. Uh, so the first one uh, being that uh, you want to do activities together as a family. Um, uh, also, and I'm not just going to go one through 10 because it could take a while, but um, making sure that you uh, incentivize creativity, uh, challenges to develop a person rather than uh, uh, being so dependent upon your devices. Um, making sure that you take time away from those de uh, devices, similar to the concept of the Sabbath, so uh, taking uh, an hour out of every day to put your device down, a day out of every week or a week out of every year, and, and uh, making sure that you start your day off by uh, uh, challenging yourself and not starting your day off by uh, just consuming your uh, your device as soon as you wake up and making sure that your device goes to bed before you do. Um, the Making sure that we use screens for a purpose and make sure that you do them with uh, your family or a group so you're not isolating yourself. There's a lot of problems that go into isolation as far, I mean, that's really how uh, a lot of sins seep into us it's because you're alone you don't think anyone's watching when obviously uh, you know our heavenly father is at, at, at a minimum uh, the one that I really try and press for my family is when we're in the car that is the time to have a conversation with our family and put the devices away uh, because everybody can just be consumed by those and you go off into your own world and relationships can fall apart if that becomes a habit. Stephen, uh, am I allowed to pull up Google Maps uh, under this commitment? You should have your maps already saved in an offline file on your phone so that you don't even have to use an internet connection. Okay. What if I pull out a MapsGo? Is that appropriate? Well, no. You can only use the oral history of maps that have been passed down for generations. Okay. Well, cars themselves are so technologically advanced now that they themselves are almost, a, you could call them a device if you wanted to. I, I share a ride with Fred Flintstone. I don't use technology. <laughs> just wheel. Now, now we're just being silly. Um, a few other ones that kind of get away from um, uh, the technology aspect, but just how to create family bonding is whenever we, uh, whenever you're learning to sing, which is a form of worship that you should sing uh, yourselves and not rely upon a recording to do uh, to lead your worship. You, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting, but yeah, I think that's more about just focus on the worship. Um, which, you know, separate the technology from the worship. You don't want robots worshiping for you. Maybe that'll be something that we get into in our next episode about <laughs> technology. But uh, that's really the main highlights that I would throw out there from that book. Again, it's called The TechWise Family by Andy Crouch. So what do you guys think about it? I wanted to um, address or elaborate more on the, the second to last one I think you mentioned or before, the one about singing, that... It's important to note that Andy Crouch has uh, no relation to the Churches of Christ, and um, he doesn't come from a, a background that is pro 
acapella music. Um, so it, it is sort of a neat coincidence there for given us and our audience. But at the same time, um, that point is really uh, powerful if we, we extend it uh, or we look behind it and see that this is about the spiritual nature of nature, uh, of our biological beings. Um, it's not, th there is something special about seeing with your voice and not letting some sort of artificial, uh, not relying on some sort of artificial edifice to, to make your praise for you. But the idea here is that there's something beautiful and special about God's created humans as we are uh, by nature, as we, um, as we are delivered from uh, our, our parents. And that's what's going on here. It's this idea that there's something spiritually important about um, knowing God uh, from our flesh. Um, if y'all have comments on that, please share. But, but Michael, I also wanted to hear, where does your mind go with uh, the technology? Are you thinking of the, the macro scale, these big sort of scary things about automation, or are you thinking about um, your family? I know you actually, y'all both have children. I don't have children to think about for these things. So um, let's, uh, let me hit on Stephen's points first, and then I'll hit on some of the points you brought up first, Daniel. <clears throat> um, so if I was going to be a contrarian, I guess one of the things I would say is that um, technology is a really good babysitter. Um, I, I think that there's uh, the parents out there who, who try to say, all right, no screen timeline. Whoa. Uh, so, you, how, you know, how do you get a moment to yourself? How do you get peace um, outside of that time? So I would say that we underrate televisions, uh, tablets, whatever people are using these days to occupy our children for a little bit. Um, so then you have to ask yourself the question, how long is too, too long? How much screen time is too much screen time? And I personally, um, in, this is something that my wife is very good about, is, is showing that when, uh, when the child is getting dependent on it, when that's all they want, it's a good time to, to take their mind somewhere else, to a creative place, to an art project or something else. Make sure that they might enjoy the show that they're watching. Uh, I embarrassingly know too much about their shows, but at the same time, you know, make sure that their mind is being stimulated by the outside world, by nature. Go outside. Um, I, I, I don't think our audience needs to be told too much about the need for balance in life, but at the same time, that's important. So don't don't overdo it and not allow yourself to get the benefits of technology as a babysitter. Um, the other, the other issue that I would say is that, uh, I, th I think that it's very important to, to not be isolated by technology. And let me go ahead and say, uh, we are recording this on March 26th. So we are in the middle of the isolation of the coronavirus, but of course we're being isolated with our families. Um, isolation is not something that is new to a phone or a Kindle or whatever. Um, but perhaps it's worse. I'll, I'll admit that it might be worse than it used to be. But I remember uh, growing up on a youth group trip and our youth minister told us that we couldn't have um, a CD player, which tells you how old we are, uh, a CD player with headphones. He said, that's isolating. You're, you're removing yourself from the rest of the group. A disc man.
a disc man. Thank you. So he actually had us, uh, we had to give our CDs to him and he played for the whole group and we talked to each other. But then I pointed out, well, what about this girl over here who's got her face buried in a book? That's a form of technology that isolates you from people. Now, granted, uh, hopefully it's a good book that it's connecting you with the thoughts of someone else. We, we tend to discriminate against new technologies. The new technology is the bad one. Um, so I would say that human connection is one that uh, we need to preference, that my wife has preference over any phone call. I remember, uh, I'll, I'll stop with on, on the topic of family after this quick story. I, uh, I was talking with my old boss uh, a couple months ago. I, we, were ta- <clears throat> we were talking, we were maybe 15 minutes into the phone call, and I saw, or he told me that he, get, he was getting a call from his son. And he said, Michael, I have a rule. I always take phone calls from my kids, so I have to say bye. And so the, the call was over. That was it. He preferenced his family over an outside connection that was happening over technology. But who do we preference? Who are the people that we preference? So um, let, me, let me just make a, a couple quick points about what Daniel said at the beginning. Um, jobs have been lost to technology. Uh, look, millions of jobs have been lost to technology. And perhaps one of the worst perpetrators is the tractor. You know, um, if we go back 100 years, we would see that, uh, or 200 years, great numbers of people were working on farms, but many of those jobs were able to go away because of innovation with uh, different uh, farming technology. And we're seeing the same thing today where uh, some jobs, you know, the bank teller's job is being lost to an ATM. Without fail, history has shown us that more technology augments human labor to make us more productive, and then we can afford new occupations to come in, things that we never thought we needed before. Occupations that no one would have thought of as being useful are now mainstream, and we should expect for that to continue to happen as we lose jobs, and and really losing jobs to uh, technology or China or the Philippines, they're all the same. We're, We're losing a job one way or the other. It's just a matter of uh, where is the return to that capital going to. But anyway, I'm not afraid of technology like some might be. Anyway, those, those are my thoughts. One thing uh, regarding the isolation that we've mentioned a few times, one of the uh, uh, tech-wise uh, uh, things that Andy Crouch brings up that uh, I think is very important uh, that I have skipped over is spouses each other's passwords. Uh, if anything, it creates a sense of trust. You could say, well, we trust each other that uh, we're not doing anything even with the passwords. And like, well, what are those passwords there for? Uh, and to go alongside that is parents should have full control over the devices of their kids. There's been many conversations I've had with even coworkers that say, oh, I would never even uh, consider looking at my uh, kids' devices because I don't want to invade their privacy and make it you are their parent. It is your job to form and groom uh, these children to be adults. If you're just letting the world uh, uh, basically do its thing with uh, and influence their decisions, then don't be surprised when they end up doing what the world wants them to do. Someone is going to parent your child. Right. You should make it you, not not someone else out there. 
I want to nuance that a little bit and say some people might be afraid of um, being a helicopter parent of sorts. And, and I think that is a legitimate fear. Um, I think you can mess up your kid socially and um, beyond if you are too present in their developmental years. That said, um, monitoring and watching out for their devices, uh, they will continue to grow and they will probably find ways around your monitoring. So don't worry about that. But uh, there is still work to be done there. And I completely agree with what you were saying, Stephen. Um, All I can think about is Amy Poehler from Mean Girls where she says, I'm not like those other moms. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> yeah, don't be a cool mom. Talking a little bit about the macro stuff, but then I, I too kind of want to focus on more uh, concrete ways that we can deal with technology. I, I'm probably a little bit more pessimistic than Michael about uh, the current changes. Uh, not as, I wouldn't say that Michael is utopia, utopian in his vision of uh, technological advancement, but I, I'm, I'm less uh, positive than he is. Uh, I, I'm not sure that an advancement is an advancement is an advancement that just because uh, there has been technology in the past that it will have similar repercussions today and in the future. That said, uh, I do want to uh, to back Michael and Stephen up um, in this idea that technology is a good thing. Uh, I had a professor in college make the point that uh, man from the beginning, as seen in the, the curse in Genesis chapter three, uh, has been has suffered and has had these difficulties that they have had to work past and uh, to strive to go beyond. And in that way, when we see technological advancements that help us move beyond the curse of Genesis 3, those are things that are blessed by God. And so when you think of some of those curses like uh, pain and childbearing, difficulty in producing crops of the field uh, and, and working the ground, uh, tractors, like Michael has already mentioned, fertilizer, uh, irrigation, um, anesthesia, and other drugs that we use during the, the process of childbirth. These are all good things that are blessed by God, um, that are helping um, God's creation, this new kingdom, uh, reverse the curse of Genesis 3, to reverse the sin of Adam. And in that way, I, I think technology is a good thing, something to be celebrated. But as we're going to talk about more, something that we have to address responsibly. What do y'all think? So just really, really quick on that. So sometimes we have a tendency to start with Genesis chapter three, when we talk about work, uh, that, you know, uh, cursed is the, uh, cursed are you man, sweat of your brow, you know, all of those things. And it's true. Genesis three happens, but first Genesis one happens. And in Genesis one, we have the creation mandate. Uh, God says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. And he, we are to be creative as God was creative. And so part of working, and this is something that Luther and Calvin and Francis Bacon, I'm only saying this because I'm, I'm reading about this right now. They saw the, the creation mandate as central to the, the explosion of science and learning. Um, so the reason why we are moving forward, learning progress technology is because we uh, we are made in God's image and we are creative like him. So that that's, that's, I think that's more foundational than the fall itself. 
So here's my attempt at playing devil's advocate here. Is what the devil does not need an ad. Okay, go ahead. I will play the devil. And uh, what would your comments be regarding contraception? And because a lot of people do not think that that is something that should be used. So we've got about 20 minutes left. I, I do want us to spend, I don't know, five, 10 minutes talking about like, what are technologies today that get the most strife? And I think that's a good one to start off with. Um, I've had Catholic friends who I've had conversations with who are very much you know, against the idea of, of the pill, as Gary Goldman said, it's, it's one of the greatest technologies because when you say the pill, everyone knows exactly what you're talking about. Um, so I, I'm, I'm someone that is pro in that I think that it was a good, a good technological invention to allow people to, um, to control, to have some control over their family. Uh, the size of their family. That said, as, as Daniel pointed out earlier, um, every technology ha that is created has a good purpose to it, but can also be used in evil ways. So the technolo any technology that leads to positive family planning that allows families to, to be safe uh, also can be used in a bad way. Uh, it could be used for uns um, uh, sex outside of marriage to protect you from the consequences of that, uh, or taking too many of those pills could actually kill a child uh, in the womb. So, uh, just because there is a good use for it doesn't mean that it's always good. Yeah, because you can take it one step further to abortion as a, a scientific process of you know controlling a, uh, human life. Uh, and so, yes, I think we would all agree that that's something that uh, has been distorted into an evil act. Uh, other technologies that I can think of that are obviously relevant, let's just take the, the obvious one, is social media and how it has negative effects, has positive effects. Uh, again, we're, uh, what? two and a half weeks into really lockdowns for a lot of cities and uh, or nations uh, from the COVID-19. And we are really dependent upon this thing. So we can consider ourselves fortunate to have the, those uh, types of abilities to uh, be looking at each other uh, and actual uh, visualization of what each other look like, even though we're all in different states. Uh, we can talk to each other. So obviously those are the pros. The cons of social media is the probably heard a sermon on uh, uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, because you want to know what's going on in everybody's lives. You measure your life against all the happiness that you see everybody else doing, but everybody's going to be on their best behavior because you want to make it look like there are no problems in your life. Who wants to hear about everybody's problems and airing everybody your own dirty laundry on social media? Nobody would do that. And the few people that do that don't really get too many likes, do they? Yeah, I I would maybe take it further and even say I think there's probably more bad things about social media than there are good things. Uh, again, right now people are maybe probably using it to its best potential. Um, as we can't physically be with one another. Um, but there's a lot of time 
social media lends itself to a lot of time um, outside of the real world, um, wasted time. And that's where Andy Crouch's advice comes, um, becomes useful. And I recommend it uh, that everyone read that book or at least familiarize yourselves with the commitments in that book about spending time being creative, being with family. It's a, it's a very active choice to put away uh, social media, but, and he would go on to say, um, entertainment as well, uh, television, movies, stuff like that. Um, and now I, I, I do want to say I could be wrong about that. Uh, I know it's, uh, in a lot of ways that there, there may be a gender gap there. Um, men may have, uh, less use for social media than women do. So maybe I'm biased, but I, I do see that social media is maybe not our, our best technology though. It's a very popular one. What do y'all think? So let, let me say this. Um, I'm thinking of Twitter in particular, but I, I think it applies to Instagram, Facebook, those types of social medias. Really, what is the technology there? It's, it's a really loud microphone uh, that is not uh, biased against distance. You know, geography, everyone lives really close to each other now because of these social medias, platforms. Uh, so we give some people really big microphones and we give some people really small microphones. Um, and so I, I think one of the evils of social media is that we give really big microphones uh, to people who should not have them. And we as Christians often contribute to that. I guess my piece of recommendation is, is if you don't like someone, like if you think someone is evil, unfollow them, unfriend them you know, actively remove evil from your life. Um, I use Twitter as a news source for the most part. And occasionally Steven tweets out a joke, um, which is good. Uh, but I, I've made a point, like there are, there are certain people who I believe attract, if they're not bad themselves, they at least attract bad evil around them. And so I unfollow them. I, there's one person who I will not say that I have blocked. And so whenever someone responds to their tweet, I'm like, oh, I can't even see the tweet that you're responding to. So it actively moves it out of my life. Yeah. Well, and I think that that stems from something that's been around since the, uh, almost the beginning of time is that, uh, a lot of media has been sexualized and that, uh, before, uh, the internet even existed. It existed on television and just, uh, uh, I mean, we've gone through periods of humanity where we tried to purge that type of lifestyle out of society and civilization, but it's always existed and it's just really taken on, uh, um, uh, you know, full steam ahead. Really there's, um, it's been normalized, uh, in a lot of areas. And so, Daniel, you wrote a, a, a blog well, probably three or four years ago that talked about different uh, things that we can take from other world religions. And one of them that I thought of was just the uh, anti-sexualization that goes on in Islamic or Muslim cultures uh, where they want their women to dress modestly. Obviously, they have a lot of other things that are wrong with them. And that I kind of admire them. And, you know, Amish do the same thing. So, yeah. They take it to a controlling extent, which is taking it right. too far. But the idea that you want it to be desexualized is is understandable. Right. Okay, let me take sex, and I want to run in a different direction with it. Um, 
<laughs> Sorry, that don't take that out of context. Um, so here, I, I have a weird technology. And I'm not sure, we don't have to talk about this too long, but I, I want to know what y'all think about this. What do we think about uh, plastic surgery or uh, elective surgeries that you, know, you don't necessarily need? Um, what do we think about that as a technology? Is it good? Is it bad? How do we as Christians deal with it? A lot of people use plastic surgery um, to, uh, as what would be called a first level enhancement, which is getting them back to being normal. So if you have a, a big surgery um, that, uh, that may leave you disfigured, or if you get in an accident that would leave you otherwise disfigured, a lot of people use plastic surgery to try to look like the normals, their normal selves. And, and I think that is totally admirable. It gets a little bit trickier, of course, when you get to what you might call second level enhancement. That's you're, you're trying to be uh, more beautiful. I assume that's the, the normal. Um, can't think of any other reason that people have plastic surgery. Um, I don't think anyone's trying to get uglier. But to, to become more beautiful, I, I, I struggle to think of why that's really why that would be a problem i just naturally am uh, disinclined towards that but i mean makeup uh, people use i have no problem with that and that is people trying to be more attractive uh michael where are you going with this or steven do you have any thoughts uh, i agree with you the uh yeah i think you you stole my thoughts you know it kind of originated uh from makeup it was the predecessor to plastic surgery where People, it's uh, if you're acting in a vain, uh, uh, with vain intent to make yourself more attractive. Why are you wanting to be more attractive in the physical sense? Um, you know, working out—that's a good thing. But if it becomes an idol for you, then obviously you've taken it in the wrong direction and distorted what God has uh, uh, commanded of you. Where if, if you are placing your physical appearance uh, before your love and worship for God or your, even your neighbor, then, uh, then you're not going about it correctly. Uh, but the plastic surgery, I can think of, there are examples that go along with plastic surgery that uh, if you want to get back to that normal state, and I'm throwing this out there just to make a point that uh, if uh, you are wanting to get a certain part of your body to look a certain way, it might require getting a tattoo to uh, represent what was there that may have gotten burned off, surgically removed, whatever it was. And so is that something that is commanded against us in, in the Old Testament that uh, a lot of the older generations um, are completely against tattoos where they're much more common with the youth these days? So something to consider yeah anyone who's watching uh this podcast as a i guess a podcast on our youtube channel has just seen a 30 minute uh commercial for a hair club for men uh so there there are these uh enhancements that that some people are trying to promote and you know trying to keep this at, at a pg level I, I think sometimes there is this desire i, I think we're, we're where these elective surgeries go bad is that there is a desire to not be who you want to be. There is an uncomfortableness with your current state. Now there are some, there are some uh, surgeries that are, you know, maybe make you more healthy. Uh, but when you are no longer the, the way I've always heard it is, are you comfortable with the way God made you to be? 
I'm not going down. Like I'm not saying literally changing like the very nature of who you are. You might as well include that because it's basically the same thing. Agree. But uh, think about, you know, changing your appearance to make you more beautiful, um, changing your hair color. I know that that's, uh, that's something that um, I think we might get a, a few more people angry with that one than we would with, you know, a facelift or something like that. So, I, I, but changing your hair color and trying to uh, keep a youthful hair color when your hair starts turning gray. Uh, so to me, that's the same thing as a facelift but it's just more expensive. So I would say that there is room for someone who says like, I, I, I'm not doing this in a vain way. I'm comfortable with who God made me. I just want, I want to look nicer. Like there's not, it's not bad to want to look nicer. It is bad to be vain. It's, it's evil to be vain. It's sinful to be vain. Yeah, and a lot of uh, the reasons why uh, the plastic surgery has the bad connotation that goes along with it is because uh, a lot of times it can look unnatural, which is easy to point the finger at that. If you have a good plastic surgeon and you can't tell, then people are just going to think you took care of yourself. Uh, and so, yeah, but what's your intent? That's really the uh, main question. Other technologies. Yeah. Well, so we, we've got about six minutes le- or probably less than that. So. Uh, are we ready for a uh, you know round the horn parting parting thoughts? Sure. Uh, Daniel, what's your one takeaway that you think that someone should have after listening to this? What's what's the big picture? Yeah. So even though I may have associated myself at the beginning with some uh, macro trends, some bigger trends in technology, uh, this week I think it is important to focus on. Uh, personal technology habits, to be responsible with those, um, to be reflective of those habits. Uh, Michael and Stephen have both talked about how we need to think about the effects that technology have. Um, Oftentimes it's good, uh, but we have to be sure to check ourselves for when it might cross that line into being, um, of course, detrimental to ourselves, but even more our responsibility detrimental to those we are responsible for children, loved ones, things like that. Uh, I'll share that uh, there is a, a story from a missionary that uh, went to my church or was supported by my church that he preexisted me, but I've heard this story secondhand that he was uh, talking to some people that lived in the town that he was a missionary of. And a guy came up to him and said, preacher, uh, do if I want to be a Christian, do I need to smoking? And the preacher said, well, would you? And he said, no. And then says, well, you have to. Uh, basically saying that uh, once uh, something has become more important that would prevent you from following God, really becomes an addiction. And my point is that if uh, things are becoming more important to us, that we have to do those things. Like if you have a website that you check every single day before you do your Bible reading, and if you're not doing your Bible reading, you should be, uh, because that really connects you with God. And if you aren't having a connection with God because you have your to-do list technology items, then really examine how technology is becoming an addiction for because those are some things that you should try to improve about your life. Yeah. 
Stephen, I, I can't say it better than how you said it. I, um, so I, I will I will restate in what I've heard it succinctly said. Um, you know, technology uh, makes a very good servant, but it makes a horrible god. You know, allow technology to serve your life, make you a better person, uh, make your relationships better, but don't let it take over your life. Don't let it take over your relationships. Don't let it take over your family. And certainly, as you said, Stephen, don't let it get between you and God. Um, so I, I think we're, we're generally pro-technology on this podcast, but also wary of the effects that it can have. So we want to end off by thanking everyone for listening to the beginning of season five. We also want to thank the Christian Chronicle for featuring us. Uh, go to their website and uh, check out the other podcasts that they're featuring. And we will talk to you next week as we talk more about how Christians react to technology and, and what that will look like in the future. Uh, thanks for listening to us. Talk to you next time.